Section 3 of the South American Republics, Volume 1, by Thomas Cleland Dawson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Piotr Nater. Part 1. Argentina. Chapter 1. The Argentine Land. South, from where the great mass of the Bolivian Andes shoves a shoulder to the east, as if seeking to join the Brazilian mountain system, and from where a low ridge stretches out to form the watershed between the Madeira and the eastward-flowing affluence of the Paraguay, extends an immense flat plain. Two thousand miles from north to south, and nearly five hundred miles in breadth, hardly a hillock rises above its surface from the foothills of the Andes westward to the sea. In the tropical north its surface is partly covered with trees, but south of the Chaco, the only woodlands are narrow belts following the streams. Everywhere stretch the grassy plains, without an obstruction or interruption. The soil is a fine alluvium, full of the right chemical elements, and admirably adapted to agriculture, wherever the rainfall is sufficient. As a pasture ground, it is the finest on the planet. Within recent geological times, this plain was the bottom of a great shallow gulf, which received the detritus washed down from the Andes on the one side and the Brazilian mountains on the other. The gradual uplifting of those youngest mountains, the Andes, raised their flanks until the adjacent floor of the gulf appeared dry land, a land already and prepared for human occupancy. Nowhere does man encounter fewer obstacles to his freedom of movement or find it easier to procure his food supply than on the Pampa, the characteristic topographical feature of the political division of South America, known as Argentina. Skirting the ridge on the east, and draining the vast slopes of the Brazilian mountains of their tropical rainfall, is the great river Paraná. In latitude 27 degrees, it turns abruptly to the west, as if about to cross the Pampa but a hundred miles further on it resumes its southward course. At this last turn the Paraná flows into a river which comes straight down from the north, draining the bed of the old inland sea that used to divide South America. This junction of the Paraná and the Paraguay forms the second largest river in the world, a river without obstruction to navigation, but which is so immense that it cannot be bridged. In latitude 32 degrees, it turns back to the southeast, soon receives the Uruguay, a swifter stream that drains the southern part of the Atlantic Islands, and then opens out into the great shallow estuary known as the River Plate. Between the Uruguay and the Paraná is the Argentine Mesopotamia, a flat region where the low-lying plains, covered with luscious greens, intersected with streams, and interspersed with timber, gradually rise upstream into the highlands of the missions. To the west, the Pampa is bounded by the foothills of the Andes and the parallel chains with which the great mountain system reinforces its flanks. At the Bolivian frontier, the great outward-jutting shoulder of the Andes looms up among a series of subordinate chains. South of them, for a thousand miles, is a belt of broken country, averaging two hundred miles in width. The Pampa creeps up to the very foot of the mountain ranges, and where it is watered, blossoms like a garden. A quarter of the population of the Republic lives in the irrigated valleys of these Andean provinces. 
A comparatively narrow, arid belt stretches diagonally across the South American continent from the Pacific, in northern Chile, to the Atlantic in northern Patagonia. Consequently, from north to south, and from the Atlantic back toward the northeast border of that arid belt, the rainfall of Argentina decreases. On the northeastern frontier, it is about 80 inches a year, at Rosario, 40, at Cordoba, 30, at Buenos Aires, 35. In the Andean provinces, it decreases from over 40, near the Bolivian frontier, to 5 or 6, at San Juan, in the latitude of Santa Fe and Cordoba. In the eastern part of the Great Pampa, the rainfall is ample for cereal crops. In the western half, the rains are periodical, and the region is better adapted to grazing than to agriculture, and there the grasslands are intersected with tracts of deserts, which grow larger towards the south. In the Andes, the eastern ranges, catching the rain-laden upper currents, send down ample water to irrigate the valleys and adjacent plains. The Mesopotamian region, and the country directly south of the Plate Estuary, have, of course, an ample rainfall. South of the latitude of Buenos Aires, the rainfall of the Andean region, which has grown steadily less from the northern boundary, begins again to increase. The eastern slopes of the mountains south for an indeterminate distance are well watered, while the Patagonian plains to their east are dry and desolate. The climate varies from tropical, on the northern frontier, to Arctic in Tierra del Fuego. The southern Pampa and the Andean provinces are temperate or subtropical, and admirably adapted for habitation by men of European descent. Tucumán is the hottest of these provinces. There the average temperature of the coldest month is 53 degrees, at Buenos Aires it is 50 degrees, at Cordoba it's 47. The average temperatures in these localities for the whole year are, respectively, 63, 61, and 63. When Columbus landed in the West Indies, this vast territory was occupied by two separate sets of aborigines. The Andean provinces were a part of the great Inca Empire. South as far as Mendoza, the Andean valleys were filled with vigorous yet peaceful population who had brought the art of irrigation to a high degree of perfection. Plantations of corn, mandioc, and potatoes flourished on the terraced hillsides and in the fertile valleys. The lower and hotter plains furnished cotton. Constant communication, both commercial and governmental, was kept up with the center of the Inca power in Cusco, along roads that followed the eastern routes along the valleys and up over the passes to the Bolivian plateau, and thence to the central provinces of the empire. Chile, on the other side of the Cordillera, was a sister province, and the passes over the Great Range were well known and constantly used. The population was greater than it is at the present day. While the political solidity of the Inca Empire is doubtless exaggerated, it is certain that the same civilization extended from Ecuador to Mendoza and Santiago de Chile, and that the Cordilleran region was the home of twenty millions of people organized into vigorous, progressive, and expanding communities. The Andean civilization never showed any tendency to expand over the tropical plains of the great central depressions. The Incas themselves never cared to penetrate far down the wooded and steaming slopes of the Andes, lying directly to the east of their own capital. Their dependent states bordering on the Argentine Pampa did not cross the desert plains, where irrigating ditches could not reach. 
So far as we now know, the Andean Indians had never penetrated to the Atlantic. East of the Pampas, in the hilly woods of Paraguay and Brazil, tribes vastly inferior in intelligence, political organization, and civilization maintained a precarious existence. Many of those who belonged to the great Guarani family lived in palisaded villages and cultivated the soil, but none had advanced far on the road toward a reasonably efficient social and military organization. The procuring of food for their daily wants was their chief occupation. The tribes were too small to make effective warfare on a large scale. There was no prospect of any development into a higher culture. Certain tribes, inferior to the Guaranis, had spread from the wooded regions over the Mesopotamian provinces and into the adjacent Pampa, and the districts on both sides of the estuary, but they never ventured far from the water supply. Though brave and intractable, these people showed no real fighting capacity until after white men had taught them the use of horses. With this knowledge, however, they were able to offer a very effective resistance, which was not completely overcome until twenty years ago. The area of the whole republic is 1,212,600 square miles. The Mesopotamian region contains 81,000 square miles, being larger than England and even more uniformly fertile. The Pampa, suitable for grain production, including the semi-forested Chaco Plain in the north, has an area of not less than 350,000 square miles. The Andean provinces contain nearly 300,000, and Patagonia 316,000. The grazing Pampa is partly included in the Andean provinces. Its boundaries to the south and towards the Atlantic are not capable of exact definition, but it includes perhaps half the territory of the Republic. Except the higher mountains, and the so-called deserts of the center, the whole territory is productive. The description of the white man's spread over this immense country, the largest except Brazil of the South American states, and of all these the most immediately and unquestionably suitable for maintaining a large population of European blood, is tedious when told in detail but it is a story fraught with significance for the future of the world. On the plains of Argentina, the descendants of the Spanish conquerors have fought out amongst themselves all the perplexing questions arising from the adaptation of Spanish absolutism and ancient Burke law to a new country and to personal freedom. After more than half a century of civil war, constitutional equilibrium has been attained. The country ought to be interesting, where there has grown up within a few decades the largest city in the southern hemisphere, and the largest Latin city except Paris in the world. The growth of Buenos Aires has been as dizzying as that of Chicago, and the world has never seen a more rapid and easy multiplication of wealth than that which took place in Argentina between the years 1870 and 1890. Interesting, too, is Argentina as the scene of the most extensive experiment in the mixture of races now going on anywhere in the world except in the United States. In forty years, more than two millions of immigrants have made their homes in Argentina. The majority are from southern Europe, but the proportion of British, German, French, Belgians and Swiss is a fifth of the whole. Will the northerners be assimilated and disappear in the mass of southerners, or will they succeed in impressing their characteristics on the latter? Will a mixed race be evolved, especially suited to success in subtropical America? 
will the system of administration painfully evolved out of the old spanish laws prove permanently suited to the great industrial and commercial state that is growing up on the argentine pampa will the municipal and bureaucratic system prove adaptable and elastic enough to furnish a political framework for the tremendous economic development which has already made such strides but which really has only begun will the intellectual and social ideas of the coming argentine nation be military bureaucratic leisurely or will they be purely commercial certain answers to these questions cannot yet be deducted from the data furnished by the history of argentina their solution however inheres in the past of its people the future of argentina will have a profound influence on the rest of the continent it has the largest territory except brazil the greatest per capita wealth its population is increasing most rapidly and it has received the greatest amount of foreign capital immigration and investment in the other countries may be expected soon to begin on a large scale the experience of argentina promises to prove invaluable to all of south america End of section three